and then it gets better <laughs> because quick and hp3 can then do even one rtt less with something with a new feature called zero rtt where you combine not just the transport and the cryptographic stuff but also the http request all of that is done in the first round trip so you have no more waiting time the first packets you send already contain your http request and so that will lead to substantial uh, speedups and i think that is like the most most important feature and the biggest reason you should be using hp3 uh, at this point hi there and welcome to pod rocket i'm your host paul and today we are fortunate to have robin marks on the call so robin is a solutions architect at akamai and has a PhD in computer science. So he's one of the guys that we're going to love to talk to, to talk about what's bleeding edge and down to the nuts and bolts. Hey, Paul, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Uh, so, Robin, like today we're going to get into uh, HTTP3, which, what what is this? This is a protocol, right? We're going to be talking about. Yeah, it's, it's the third version of the protocol you all know and love and use daily, HTTP. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's the most recent version of it. Obviously, it's been a, it's been in development for yeah, about ten years <laughs> by this point, and it's finally been standardized like uh, three weeks ago. <laughs> so it's kind of time that people start catching up to what it is and how we can use it. So it's the most modern one, and it's been around, but it's been around in development for ten years. Yeah, exactly. So if people might remember, HTTP two isn't that long ago. It's only finalized in two thousand fifteen like seven years ago. Uh, but even then, they were already working on like the inner layers of what is now HTTP 3. Um, so I, I always like to say that HTTP 2 is like a transitional version <laughs> uh, to, to what we really wanted to end up with, which is uh, H3. Yeah. It's almost like it takes the same amount of time to develop these um, very impactful protocols as they come out as it does for the drug companies to come out with a new treatment. It's like a decade. Yeah, that's 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 true, and that's actually one of the reasons that uh, HTTP three is so different from HTTP two because we want to speed this up for the future. <laughs> um, what we actually did was was make a lot of changes in not just HTTP, uh, the top protocol, but everything beneath that. We changed things in a protocol stack, like protocols like TCP and TLS. We updated those as well to make sure that we can be much faster implementing new protocols in in the future um, going forward. Yeah. Yeah, we should definitely get into like what some of the specifics about HTTP3 are. I mean, just quickly fast forward and anybody that's listening and is excited about this. I mean, HTTP3 is based on UDP, right, Robin? It's a, instead of the other more reliable TCP transport layers of the other ones. Yeah, so that's a, that's a statement that's technically correct, <laughs> but not really useful. Uh Loosely correct, I would say. Um, the thing is that there is a very big thing between HTTP3 and, and UDP, which is called Quick, right? And Quick is really is really the new thing. HTTP3 is not that much different from HTTP2, but Quick is very, very new, very different. And Quick is actually what some people call TCP 2.0. It's like a reimagining of what TCP could be uh, in a modern network. Quick has reliability, it has flow control, congest control. Everything we know from TCP is also in Quick. And the fact that it runs on top of UDP 
really has nothing to do with your typical TCP versus UDP uh, uh, differences that we all learn about in <laughs> in classes. You know, UDP is faster because it doesn't have a connection set up, that kind of stuff. That's not really true here because Quick adds all of that overhead back on top. The real reason we use UDP is because it's it makes Quick easier to deploy. Um, because most devices on the internet, they expect two things uh, on top of IP, UDP and TCP. And if you would put Quick next to them, <laughs> a lot of devices would just freak. And so we said, okay, let's just put it on top of UDP instead. Most devices will just let UDP pass. Uh, and so it's just easier to deploy. That's really the main reason we're using UDP here. Um, yeah, so it's like it sounds like it, there's a reimagining, a reimagining and implementation of some sort of TCP, some reliability on the underlying language of UDP. And I wanted to just kind of outline that this is based like on that lower level on UDP because it'd be might maybe it'd be useful if it's all right with you to like draw a line between HTTP one, two, and three before we get into the nuts and bolts just to like create a lineage um, for listeners. So like HTTP one classic like old web um based on tcp and then we go to http2 uh maybe could you talk about some of the difference between hp1 and 2 very quickly don't need to get too detailed yeah so those differences are massive um very big difference uh there the main reason for hp2 at that point was we have uh, a single web page contains a lot of different resources HTML, JavaScript, CSS, and all of those need to be sent on a single TCP connection, ideally. And TCP is not really made to understand that there are different resources on a single connection. It, it thinks it's all just a single file that it's downloading. And so HTTP2 added that abstraction uh, inside. That was a big problem with HTTP1. HTTP1, you could only send a single file over a single TCP connection at a time. And so you had some 30 workarounds where you would open six to 30 TCP connections in parallel, right? And for which we had to do domain sharding and, and resource bundling and all these kinds of nasty, basically, workarounds to get that to perform in, in any type of a good way. Is some of that tax that we're experiencing from the RTT, the round trip time for like opening these connections and you have to do, oh, I have to do 50 of them and... Yeah, okay. that is definitely one part of it. And then another point that was starting to become a problem was was uh, packet loss, um, because all of these connections are going to start ramping up their bandwidth usage at the same time, and they're going to cause <laughs> bandwidth contention at the same moment. <laughs> and so you're going to get massive loss at a certain given point of, uh, of time. That's one of the other reasons you really want to have as few connections as possible. Uh, From maybe ex exponential backoffs. Yeah, exactly. Mounting up and then going, ah, oh, <laughs> no more. Gotcha. Yep. Um, so then, yeah, so HTTP2, when you say we can do multiple files in one connection, um, kind of manifesting the actual underlying structure about what's happening there, it's kind of like a stream. Is that the right way to think about yeah, it? Yeah, that's, that's the terminology we use. Uh, the stream comes from a byte stream. So it's basically like... Even HTTP2 doesn't really know if a stream is HTML or CSS or JavaScript. It doesn't care, right? It just knows this is an independent thing that the browser can then use and interpret uh, as it wants. So that's why they're called byte streams. And this is actually terminology from TCP, but TCP is just a single byte stream. <laughs> and now we want multiple byte streams on top of that single byte stream. That's what HTTP2 does. Yeah. So HTTP2, you can kind of go connect to your guy over there send everything that needs to be set, uh, sent 
just as bytes and then close your connection. Um, no need to go back and forth. All right, so now we're now now we're in the new the new space HTTP three. So the main difference we talked about is we're building up from UDP, but realistically, there's some reliability that you folks are tackling and implementing. And you said that was called Quick. And th- would you say Quick is like a one to one mirror of the reliability that TCP provides, or like what are some of the corners, I guess, that you cut? and the decisions that get made in this design process. Yeah, so it's not a one-to-one mirror, but the concepts are very, very similar. It's still fully reliable. Um, so it's not like packets can get lost. You still have acknowledgements and retransmissions, and you still have all the other things that we know from uh, from TCP. But there are, of course, big differences. One of the main differences there is has to do with these streams that we just talked about. So HTTP2 added this concept of multiple independent streams, but it then still had to map it onto a single stream in TCP. And that led to all kinds of inefficiencies. This is what is called the head of line blocking problem, which we don't really have to go into today probably, but a lot of inefficiencies there. And what Quig basically did was take that concept of these multiple streams and brought it down into the transport layer protocol. So TCP thinks it's just a single file, but Quick knows, oh no, we actually have multiple independent things on the same connection um, going on. And that means that Quick also knows, okay, I have loss. I have a packet lost. That doesn't mean I have to stall my entire connection, like with TCP. It can say, oh, I just have packet loss for this stream. All the other streams are unaffected. I just need to deal with this single stream that has loss, right? And in that way, and in several other ways, Quick can be more efficient about loss detection reliability. Um, so the concepts, high-level concepts are very, very similar. It's still a reliable drop-in replacement for TCP, but it can be much more efficient, much smarter uh, in what it does. Enjoying the podcast? Consider hitting that follow button for more great episodes. Is this because UDP kind of gives you this platform and and sandbox to sort of say like we can you know we can we can send we it's like a big soup of a transport layer and we can slash this up and divvy it up and manage what is going in semantically versus like i guess in tcp when you open up a connection in the stream it's it everything in tcp is like stateless right is is that the right way to think about it and it's really like this is my one job my one file and i'm going to take care of it so everything else on top of that is just magic that you have to implement. I think it's a fair, that's a fair thing. That, that was the case with TCP, right? So UDP is super flexible. You can do anything you want on top, but that also means it doesn't give you much <laughs> like reliability. And TCP was more like, you know, what, what will most implementations, what will most higher level la- uh, uh, protocols need is ordered data that is sent reliably. And that's basically the service TCP. Um, provides right and now with udp because it's so flexible you can you can build whatever you want on top of that and some people are surprised by this but this has been going on for ages right a lot of games a lot of video conferencing systems they all run on top of udp and they often re-implement reliability to some extent uh, or very similar things that you see in tcp on top of udp it's nothing new it's just that we mostly use tcp because you get that like for free you get all this complex logic for free. You don't have to do it yourself. But there's no reason you can't do it yourself. Um, and that's what Quick does, but then in a very advanced 
uh, way. I always like to think in quick, we, we took like the last 30 years of TCP, everything we learned, we put it into one nice big package with all the best practices, and that is quick. Awesome. I mean, let's talk about why it's faster. Maybe some of the nuts and bolts. RTT, round trip time. With UDP, it's a little bit of a different story. So you mentioned like these video conferencing guys, these uh, game applications, they use UDP. There's a reason they use UDP that you can get faster. There, There's more malleability, like you said, when you're implementing things. Could you talk about like how HTTP3 tackles the speed problem within Quick and makes your own improvements? So Quick offers a lot of different um, uh, performance features of optimizations. Like I said before, head of line blocking removal, there is something called connection migration, you have a slightly better prioritization system and so on. These are things very technically interesting, but I wouldn't say that those will have the biggest impact for most of the users. Right? They only come out at like very specific edge cases for some use cases. Um, the one thing that will impact most of your users is what you just handed at, which is the round trip time, which is the connection setup at the start. Right, and That's one of the reasons that we use UDP, that's correct, is that it doesn't require a connection setup. This is why, for example, DNS runs over UDP, because you can send the request and get a response into a single round trip between client and server. That's not true with TCP. Right, TCP, you need to do the Syncinac ACK three-way handshake. That costs you a full round trip. And then if you run TLS on top of it to get the encryption that we all want so badly nowadays, that is another one to sometimes two round trips on top. So you're already doing one or, uh, two or three round trips of waiting, and only then can you send your uh, HTTP request and start getting a response back. If the round trip time is high, Let's say your client is in Europe, where I am, and your server is somewhere in California. Then this can take up to 200 milliseconds or more for even a single round trip, right? Um, and that, that gets slow really, really fast. And that's one of the core uh, optimizations with Quick. So with, with uh, TCP, TCP and TLS are completely separate protocols. With Quick, that's no longer true. Quick and TLS are fused together inside of Quick. So Quick can only be used with TLS. Uh, it's always encrypted. And this means that you can do the handshake of both Quick, so the transport level handshake, and the cryptographic handshake, the TLS setup, you can all do that in a single round trip. And so you save at least one round trip, sometimes even two, compared to your TCP uh, uh, typical setup. Uh, and I have some maybe some numbers later that I can share. We we have some uh, some uh, companies that actually tested this in practice, and they find up to like 400, even 600 milliseconds uh, lower connection setup time just because of this um, in in real networks. Um, and then it gets better <laughs> because Quick and HP3 can then do even one RTT less with something with a new feature called zero RTT where you combine not just the transport and the cryptographic stuff, but also the HTTP request, all of that is done in the first round trip. So you have no more waiting time. The first packets you send already contain your HTTP request. Um, and so that will lead to substantial uh, speedups. And I think that is like the most, most important feature and the biggest reason you should be using HTTP tree uh, at this point. How do you guys... Uh, get TLS to work with zero RTT. 
that that sounds amazing to me. Without the synth, the axe, and yeah, I mean, we don't want to get too into the weeds here, but um, very good question because that's one of the most technically challenging aspects here. Um, the problem there is you um, to be able to do that, you want to fully encrypt all of your first RTT. Otherwise, you're sending your initial HTTP request in in plain text and people will be able to read it. You don't want that. So zero RTT is really only possible from uh, a second connection onwards. What's going to happen in your first, your very first quick connection, that's going to be a normal one round trip time for uh, transport in TLS. After that, it's fully encrypted. And then the client and server are going to negotiate new cryptographic parameters for the next connection. This is what's called a, a, a session ticket because it's a TLS session. So you basically get a, a what is called a resumption key. So re, you pretend like you're resuming the current session sometime in the future. And so this, in practice, this means that from the second connection onward, if you have a valid session ticket, um, you can basically use those old cryptographic keys that you discussed earlier to encrypt already new stuff from the very, very start. Um, and that sounds too good to be true, and it is because it has a lot of edge cases and a lot of security issues, things like replay attacks, and it's difficult to deploy this uh, uh, after load balancers and, and all those kinds of things. Very true, but it's doable, <laughs> uh, and it does provide you like with a nice uh, additional boost. Is there some sense of like a crypto? Uh, cryptographic key tied to time exactly so the session tickets they have a certain um, 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 lifetime certain time to live um, so it's typically I think in modern deployments about a day so you have to do it within a day or it expires and you fall back to a normal uh, connection setup there are other protections there as well like some deployments won't allow you to use zero RTT if you changed IPs or you changed networks um, in between um, and there, there are several other um, ways of mitigating any risk, any security risk that you might uh, encounter with zero RTT. There's definitely people that, um, the, the most dangerous people out there are the ones who are smart enough to keep up with the modern news and transport layers that are being built so they can understand how to sneak in, right? And do these types of things. So it's always important to like reframe ourselves to talk about these very important things that people are, who are listening are going to be implementing them. Hey, this is Emily, one of the producers for Pod Rocket. I'm so glad you're enjoying this episode. You probably hear this from lots of other podcasts, but we really do appreciate our listeners. Without you, there would be no podcast. And because of that, it would really help if you could follow us on Apple Podcasts so we can continue to bring you conversations with great devs like Evan Yu and Rich Harris. In return, we'll send you some awesome PodRocket stickers. So check out the show notes on this episode and follow the link to claim your stickers as a small thanks for following us on Apple Podcasts. All right, back to the show. How do you think implementing HTTP3 will fall on the plate of people? Like, is it difficult? Is it hard? I mean, from my personal experience, you talked about HTTP2 and right before this call, I was mising over what a difficulty it was to get HTTP2 to work in a serverless function because of streams yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and I, I don't have uh, i have bad news for you <laughs> it's only gonna get worse uh yeah because for hp2 you you only need to deal with hp2 but now you need to deal with hp3 and quick 
and inherently also TLS because it's inside of Quick. <laughs> um, uh, where, where, for example, TCP and TLS, you typically get uh, much much easier in modern stacks because they're older. Um, so the 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 recommendation that I've up to now always given is that if you want to use it today, use an existing deployment from a CDN, a content delivery network, something like Akamai, Cloudflare, Fastly. Um, they all have very mature deployments that you can use with the click of a button. It's really that simple. They have implemented this. They have implemented all the complex features um, that you might ever want to use because they have been working on this for like five to six years <laughs> since the beginning. Um, if you really want to do this yourself, I wish you the best of luck. There are options, um, but they are very hands-on. Like for example, your typical servers that you might use, let's think of an Nginx or an Apache or an OGS or something like that. They all don't yet have uh, uh, implementations or the implementations they have are still in beta. They're very uh, unstable. And it will take quite a while for them to become uh, production ready, I think. There are some servers that do have it, like uh, one of the good ones is Caddy, which is often mentioned. Uh, another one that I would recommend is H2O, which is the server that Fastly uses internally. Um, it's a very, very good server um, to use. But those are not your typical servers you would have in a production setup. So you would have to like mix and match this with your existing HTTP 1 and 2 deployments, eh, not always easy. Um, and that's that's doable, but you're going to have to read up a lot on, on on how to properly set this up. And you will probably lack advanced features like 0RTT, at least if you want to do them securely, because that's difficult to do yourself. Um, and then for what you mentioned, trying to integrate this yourself into like a, a custom app or a custom uh, a piece of software, also possible because there are many open source libraries. Um, but there, again, you're going to have to spend quite a bit of time getting to know what exactly this is because um, the APIs are very different, the capabilities are very different, and you really need to know what the protocols are doing underneath to really get the speed boosts that you might want. Uh, and if you don't get the speed boosts, there's really no real good reason to switch to HTTP3. It's easier to stick with HTTP2. <laughs> so it's a lot of work to, to really get it out of there. I expect this to improve um, over time, let's say two to three years. But at this point, it's it's too new. I would rely on existing implementations, exist, uh, existing deployments, I should say. Yeah. So it sounds like, like one of the big optimizations you're getting here when you're talking about, okay, well, if you're not getting an optimization, it's not even like really worth it in the first place. So these optimizations we're talking about are mainly framed in our conversation around RTT and how these get carried out and performed. Is there like a vector we're missing here that you would say is has important weight to this speed saving? Yeah. So as I said before, there are several other uh, performance features um, that are definitely in there and that will have a big impact but only for like a subset of the users. In, in web performance, for example, we, we like to talk about the P99 or the P99.99 percentiles, which means like one in every hundred or every one in, one in 10,000 users will have like a big impact uh, from that. One, one thing, for example, is what I mentioned earlier, the, the, better, um, the better way that Quick can do loss detection and, and retransmission will be useful in some like heavily congested cellular networks, that kind of stuff. Right. Um, so that's one aspect. The second aspect that you um, 
might want to start using HTTP3 now is for future improvements. So right now, the RTT and the connection setup is the most important one, but this is going to change um, in the future. They are talking about adding new features like one of, one of the ones that I'm particularly uh, interested in is called Multipath, where you can use Wi-Fi and cellular at the same time. So now you'd switch between them, but then you can use them at the same time to get like better bandwidth or more robustness. Um, that's coming. There is something called FEC, Forward Error Correction, um, where you uh, prevent retransmissions from being needed by sending some uh, uh, additional data in the first place, that kind of stuff. Um, that is all coming. And if you switch to HTTP3 now, you can very easily tap into that later. Um, that being said, though, I think HTTP3 is mostly going to be useful in the uh, client side of the connection, like the last mile typical setup. If you want to start doing inter-data center or um, CDN edge server to your origin server kind of traffic, there is probably not going to be worth it to uh, to switch to HTTP3, at least not yet. Probably down the line, but not, not yet. Uh, you won't get a lot of huge benefits there unless you're using very specific setups that use very specific features in the protocols but uh i i haven't seen people talk about that yet for now it's mostly client to edge server where it's being deployed and where it's uh, most useful to your point about congested networks i mean that could that's a very potentially pertinent use case even for like an internal setup if you have something big data applications where you're having millions and billions of requests being sent do you think http3 could help in that internal sort of setup remove the cruft and the extra time from the RTTs from every single... Yeah, that's a lot of requests that need to get made. It's like insane. In that case, in that case, definitely. But again, that is a very specific setup that not many people have, right? Uh, and in that case, you also need to look at other features like ECN and uh, the upcoming L4S and that kind of stuff. And Quick definitely has support for those things. And there is there is support for this kind of this kind of use case is supported in Quick, um, but again, I don't think most people listening, hopefully, hopefully, are managing that kind of network <laughs> because uh, we'll, we'll we'll become them. <laughs> now I have a very specific question to go along with this. So, if you're in big data and you're trying to maybe populate a Snowflake table or S3 buckets or whatever. If you're if you're making millions and billions of requests, you're probably doing it wrong. Like what you want to be doing is batching things. You want to be sending it in one request and kind of finding that sweet spot. That comes at an overhead though. You're storing things longer in memory. You're paying for more memory. You're paying for like I don't know, just more. There's always a trade-off between your runtime efficiency and the amount of memory you spend. That's those are like the two big. So if we have HTTP three, all this cruft is removed. Do you think? we can reasonably start to think about removing batching. Would that be something in your mind in the future that could be potentially looked at from this new protocol? I think with the concept of independent streams at the transport layer, I don't think ASP3 will be the big driver there, but quick definitely could be. Um, but it will require some you know, use case specific logic on top to make proper use of these underlying mechanisms to make this work just fine. I, I do think Quick has, again, the capabilities, the raw capabilities to make this kind of thing possible. 
is it able to do it right now with the current implementations? I doubt it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I think that's definitely an avenue worth exploring for that kind of use case. That would be very interesting. I just feel like everything is batched everywhere and it causes a lot of system design complexity and bug surface area that could otherwise be avoided. So um, yeah, what are your what are your hopes about where HTTP3 will make the biggest impact. So I think you kind of touched upon this briefly. You were saying, okay, the client side, right? Those RTTs. Um, do you see any business use cases in your mind that we haven't touched upon that excite you? Either in video streaming, because they already use UDP, their own custom solutions. Like, Yeah, video streaming is a difficult one because we have like serious established protocols like WebRTC that just work. And it will be difficult to port them over to Quick, even if we need that uh, down the line. What I'm personally most ex- exper- um, <laughs> interested in, what I'm personally most uh, excited about, is uh, is two things. One of them uh, is, is both protocols that are built on top of HTTP3 or use HTTP3. The first one is called Web Transport, um, which is kind of like the new version of WebSockets uh, in the browser, if you know about that. Web Transport is basically access to HTTP3 and quick in the browser, but also unreliable data in the same connection. So if you, up until now, you really have uh, almost no way of doing unreliable data in the browser, and, uh, unless you're using WebRTC uh, special data channels, which is kind of annoying. Um, what we have with quick, because it runs on top of UDP, we can implement pure unreliable datagrams in the same quick connection that also does reliable data um, at the same time. So it's like a single encrypted connection that does both reliable and unreliable stuff. Um, And I think this will be very interesting for many different use cases. The main one that comes to mind is gaming. Um, You can start doing that finally uh, without like custom logic. Um, Video streaming could be one if you really want to do custom media streaming uh, on top of that. And many other use cases. I think web transport will be somewhat revolutionary in that respect. And that's one part. And then the other part is called mask, um, which is kind of an effort to do uh, proxying. So secure proxying, VPNing on top of Quick. So using Quick as like an encrypted tunnel to proxy different kinds of traffic through there. that's a bit technical. <laughs> that's, that's, it is very interesting, and it has a lot of benefits on top of uh, proxying over TCP or plain UDP. Even, um, for example, if if you might have heard about the Apple, the new Apple feature called Private Relay, where they kind of let, let you they let you like browse through anonymous proxies. It's kind of like anonymizing your IP and your your user by sending your traffic through proxies, uh, and that's all quick based. That's all mask-based, um, basically. So it's like a whole new suite of ways of doing secure encryption uh, uh, through a, um, a quick tunnel, uh, which offers a lot of new ways of doing this that were impossible with, with current TCP options. And I'm very excited about that. Um, they're talking about using this heavily in, like, say, for example, the 5G backbone uh, implementation, that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, lots more there to come except for just HTTP3 for the browser uh, or for the web page loading use case. Yeah, this sounds like it's a whole paradigm shift in how we're thinking about reliable transport 
as a networking concept. Yeah, and that's that's exactly the intent, right? Quick is intended to replace TCP in the long run. Um, and it makes things a lot more flexible and potentially performant. But that means we also need to update some of the application layer stuff. <laughs> HP3 was the first of those, uh, and we're now slowly doing this for other other things as well. And some of our yeah mentalities, I remember the first thing I learned when I took networking class was UDP. That's where the bad people live. You know that they'll figure out how to mess you up with UDP, so it's blocked everywhere. That's that's one of the big problems we face with Quick uh, today. Um, a lot of people still have that that mindset, even though Quick it actually integrates a lot of uh, mitigations for a lot of known attacks. You know, it has protections in place to some uh, UDP amplification attacks, for example. People have thought about this. It should be quite safe to use. Not 100%, but quite safe to use. Um, but a lot of uh, network administrators still don't really um, um, follow that story yet, and they will simply block quick, um, especially because a lot of firewall uh, applications don't have proper support for it yet. Uh, and so they'd rather be safe than sorry. Um, and so yeah, that's, that's, that's one of the big challenges that we have, and I think that's going to be around for years and years and years. Um, but the thing is, the the big deployments already use Quick and H3 right now. Um, all the CDNs, the YouTubes, the Facebooks, Amazon is coming on, uh, that kind of stuff. That should that should provide enough counterweight, I think, in the long term to <laughs> to uh, to force people to switch eventually, right? If they're doing it, they must know what they're doing, right? So, well, we're running up on time, Robin. Um, this has been a very interesting talk. I I always love getting to the weird networking stuff, even though, I mean, this is not weird. This is going to be the new standard coming out. It, it's out and it's going to be in our lives if we know it or not already. So uh, where can people find you on Twitter if they want to, or or whatever social platforms you're on, if they want to find out about your work, what you're doing? Yeah, it's very easy. My Twitter handler is at programming art, which I made when I was still like in web design kind of circles <laughs> so at programming art i mainly share quick and hp3 and protocol news there um and then i promise i promise i will start my own blog soon which i've been saying for 10 years probably but uh, <laughs> but if you if you look me up on on google i would say robin marks quick and hp3 you will find a lot of blog posts i did for other blogs you will find a lot of videos i did uh, on youtube um so my content is definitely out there but it can take a while to find. Uh, just to name drop some of the talks. So you did a married to HTTP3 talk that people can... It's my most recent one. That's not on YouTube yet. That was for a Smashing Conference uh, San Francisco. That will be out in, let's say, about two to three months, I think. Um, and then Internet on Mars is not maybe directly related, but that was another one. Uh, that that one caught my eye because it raises this whole question of like, you know, we all like net neutrality, but like what happens when Mars is there, man? Like, I don't want those guys to be blocking my traffic. So that that's going to be an interesting conversation when that comes up. Exactly. In- Internet on Mars was like my very first conference talk I ever did, like at the start of my PhD. <laughs> I'm still very, very proud of that one. Uh, I tried to be like a little bit funny. <laughs> Uh, but, but like you said, the questions it raises are, I think, very important. It's about centralization. It's about privacy. It's about censorship. Um, 
all of those things taken into the concept of an interplanetary internet, but still very, very uh, um, uh, actual here on Earth right now as well. It's like taking a magnifying glass to the problem, though, because these are such small intervals that it's hard for our human emotions to really get tied to decision-making processes. Yeah, it's, I thought it was a really elegant way to to frame the question. Uh, if if I ever have a child, that's what I, that's the that's the talk I'm going to send them to to learn about the internet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Robin. Well, thank you for your time and. Uh, hopefully some people can start to get tuned on to the new HTTP three stuff and learn about it. Absolutely. And I would say if people have more questions, uh, please let me know on Twitter. I'm, I'm very happy to help, uh, in any way I can. Awesome. Thank you, Robin. All right. Thanks, Paul. See you later. See ya. Thanks for listening to PodRocket. You can find us at PodRocketPod on Twitter. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks.